Hello, hello, hello. I'm back on the mental health mic. Welcome. I'm so glad you decided to join me tonight. This is Terry Ferguson, licensed therapist, mindset coach, speaker, and author. The mental health mic is putting mental health issues on blast, decreasing stigma, and providing simple strategies to help you improve your mindset, increase your health and happiness, and catapult your life. Before we get into this evening's topic, I just want to take a few moments and thank you. I really appreciate that you have chosen to listen in. This is my first go at this whole podcasting thing. And I must say, I really do like it. Thanks for sticking with me as I figure this whole thing out. Let me know if the information is helpful. Share topics that you'd like me to cover regarding mental health. Ask me some questions. I am here to serve you. So I want to understand what your needs are. You can message me on Instagram at the mental health Mike, and that's Mike spelled M-I-C. Let's get into the night's topic, preserving your mental health at work. Are you working like a Hebrew slave? <laughs> How do you think that is impacting your mental health? A lot of people criticize millennials for their work ethic. When in fact, they just may be on to something. Their natural inclination to value time over money may assist in preserving their mental health. The literature says that millennials value time or how they use their time over money. Translation, they're less likely to hold on to a job just because of a paycheck. In contrast, just think about how many managers and directors suffer at the hands of narcissistic leadership just to keep a paycheck and benefits. Now, I'm not saying that our paychecks aren't valuable. My objective here is to encourage you to reflect upon how you, we, compromise our physical, mental, and spiritual health, relationships, and dignity, all for a paycheck and benefits. At the end of the day, is it really worth it? I once watched Helpless as a CEO berated, criticized, belittled, and discounted his program director in front of everyone during a meeting. He served up his you-know-what on a silver platter and passed it around the room. It was awful. The director sat still and remained silent, saying nothing the whole time. He didn't even appear to be appalled, stunned, or upset. Now, this was a clear indication to me that this was an all-too-regular occurrence. Sorry, not sorry. No paycheck or amount of benefits is worth the pain, humiliation, and outright abuse this man endured. Not then, not now, not ever. 
You see, I recognize that supervisors and directors are often thrown into the deep end of the pool without a life jacket and left to sink or swim. Caught between a rock and a hard place, they alone bear the weight of meeting rigid deliverables while being understaffed, overworked, and underpaid. I know what it feels like to consistently show up in excellence and yet be denied a place at the table. As a professional leader in service to others, I'm passionate about leveraging my pain to help others strategically navigate the shark-infested waters of management, take care of their mental health, and acquire the mindset needed to stand firmly in their value and boldly offer their gifts to the world. Now, if you are that one in a million person who is in management position for a nonprofit and you actually manage to attend to your own mental health, then I salute you. Now, I can only speak from the perspective of a nonprofit because I haven't done for profit work, but they may be closely aligned. You tell me, let me know. If you're a for-profit manager or supervisor, do you endure this kind of abuse for your paycheck? It is no simple task to manage your mental health under these types of um, situations. Primarily because we are so busy being busy that we rarely take time out to pay attention to what's going on in and with our bodies and our mental health. And you may think that's fine until it's not. And when it's not, our mental health acts out like a neglected child because it is. Wouldn't it be better if we shifted our perspectives just a bit to adopt some of the millennials mindset about time money, and the workplace? By analyzing confidential employee surveys, the company Great Place to Work found that millennials are seeking four things from their jobs. Equity, transparency, excuse me, transparency, flexibility, and purpose. Somebody please tell me what's wrong with that. Absolutely nothing. In fact, it sounds like it's really on point to me. And get this, they're not afraid to quit if an employer does not meet their needs. A byproduct of setting boundaries in this fashion is the preservation of their mental health, their physical health, their relationships, and their dignity. Now, you may ask me, why do you keep saying mental health and physical health? Because it's all connected. And there are studies to prove that. Things that happen to us mentally get stored in our body and can manifest in chronic illness and disease. So, more practically, If you have a ton of bills, medical issues, or family depending on you, it's not 
plausible to just quit. So what can you do to manage the stress and protect your mental and physical health and relationships? One answer is to stop and begin again. When you stop, examine and readjust your habits. Because some of those habits just might be contributing to your toxic predicament. We know that change does not happen overnight. Nothing does. However, small increments of change add up to big shifts over time. Here are three ways to begin your process. Number one, set healthy boundaries. Boundaries are in place to keep us safe. They keep the things that we don't want out while keeping the things that we do have inside the boundary safe. Now, that's not easy, but it's not impossible either. Begin by asking yourself, what is my limit? Then pause and really think about that. Reflect on it. Now, realistically, you may have been pushing your limits for so long that you have no clue what your limit is. So what do you do? You begin to tune in to your body during the day. How long have you been sitting at that desk looking at the computer or typing? Does your neck hurt? Does your back hurt? What about your shoulders? Do they feel tense? Do you have a headache? Are your eyes getting blurry? Is your heart racing? You will never go wrong by paying attention to what your body is attempting to communicate to you. Those physical cues are red flags messaging you that you are at your limit. Another way to determine your limitations is to open up and take a look at your calendar. Is it so packed you literally do not have enough space to enter a new task for the day? Ask yourself, what can I reasonably accomplish with the amount of time that I have today? Then go in and delete two of the least urgent items and put them as tasks on different days. Tasks usually take longer than we anticipate, especially when we have unanticipated eruptions, which always happen. Plan for the interruptions by putting less on your to-do list. Number two, learn to communicate using neutral language. So by neutral language, I mean respond or pose questions in a way that does not trigger the other person's defensiveness. For example, if you are asked to squeeze another task or project into your schedule, you can communicate by stating, okay, no problem. I need your help though. Then explain your schedule. 
I'm currently working on project A, which is due Friday. I'm also working on project B, which is due Tuesday. Which one of these projects should I put on hold in order to devote my attention to this new project? You have politely set your boundary and communicated in a neutral fashion. The ball is now in your superior's court to make the decision. Now, let's say they put it back on you to make the decision. This is when you make the safe decision. Continue to completion on the projects that you have. Now, if something is super urgent and you really do need to get to this new project, figure out which of the two projects you have can be delayed and communicate that in writing to your supervisor. So that way you can pick up the urgent project that they just brought to you. The point is, Don't try to do everything. You'll get no sleep and you won't be able to perform your best. Set your boundary and stick to your guns. The third step that will help you to begin your process is to establish a time to stop working each day. And here's the kicker, stick to it. As a former director for many years, I admit that there were countless times when I failed miserably to follow this suggestion. I realize now that there were a number of things going on for me that prevented me from following my own suggestion. For example, I enjoyed my work and I could easily get lost in it. Besides that, I may have been told a couple of times that I was a workaholic. (laughs) I still probably have that characteristic. I just enjoy working. For ongoing projects, determine a stopping point prior to starting. Set an alarm in the form of an accountability partner or a clock to remind you that it's quitting time. Also, I'm a bit of an overachiever. I believed in putting 100% of my effort into everything. Now, I've since learned to measure tasks and gauge the amount of energy and attention I give to it by quickly assessing the value of the task in relation to the overall project or outcome that I'm attempting to achieve. So here you would ask yourself this question, how essential is this task to getting the job done? Sometimes I find that it is essential, but I can simplify the process, which in turn saves me time. Sometimes it's essential, but I can delegate the task to someone else. Other times, I find that it is not essential at all, and I can simply eliminate it. 
Another habit that caused me to get in my own way was with my mindset. My generation and the ones before it thought that in order to get ahead, and I'm doing the air quotes, (laughs) a person has to arrive early and stay late. In short, work like a Hebrew slave until you burn out and then they hire someone else to replace you. To begin changing my mindset, I looked at the outcomes and asked myself, how is coming in early and staying late after everyone has left on a regular basis producing the desired outcome? What difference is it making to the bottom line? In truth, very minimal. Others rarely notice all of the fine details I was attending to that ate away at my time. Excuse me. I had to learn to pare down to the essentials, focus on accuracy and timeliness, and leave all the frills and thrills for me to enjoy with my DIY projects at home. Armed with this realization, I heightened my senses, opened my office door, and took cues from others in the office. As I saw them preparing to leave, I began to prepare myself to leave too. Within a month's time, it was lights out and I was walking out of the door and to my car with them. It means that I was selective and protective with how I used my time. It didn't keep me 100% from never working over or coming in late because sometimes that's just inherent part of the job. But again, it meant that I was selective and protective with how I used my time and when I chose to do that. Doing this helped me begin to preserve my mental health, which is precious and will be with me much longer than any job or paycheck ever will be. You can make the choice today to preserve your mental health at work in order to more fully enjoy work, life, and your personal time and relationships. Because let's face it, if you burn out at work, there's nothing left over for your loved ones. You can't even come and enjoy the little bit of time that you have because you're so keyed up from everything that went on at work. Just a quick review. Those three steps are number one, set healthy boundaries. Number two, learn to communicate using neutral language. And number three, establish a time to stop working each day ahead of time and stick to it. I want to tell you thanks again for listening in. I hope that the information shared was 
empowering, and practical, something that you feel you can really fit into your daily life. That will help. Let me know. Message me on Instagram at the Mental Health Mike. That's M I C. I look forward to hearing from you. And I'm also, I have to let you know, going to have a wonderful guest on the next episode. And we're going to be addressing some of the things that are going on in our society right now. In particular, the suicide. I have to tell you, I personally was just really shook uh, when I initially read about Regina King's son, Ian. Regina King is one of my favorite actresses, and I followed her uh, as a child just and watched her career. So that was just really devastating. I can't imagine. And then to hear that Miss USA, maybe a week or so after Ian's death, also committed suicide. So we're going to talk about suicide and uh, my guest counselor will uh, be sharing from her perspective. I hope you tune in and thanks so much for listening to the Mental Health Mike.